Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. And he's saying, woe to the rich, why? Well, he's talking about a type of person. When we went through Revelation, they were described as those who were, well, rooted in the things that were temporal, that, that their values, their, the things they valued, they were all earthly and fleshly and temporal. They were, they're, they're people of the earth. In today's broadcast, we complete Pastor Sam's message, Blessings, Woes, and Exhortations. We are taking up in verse 24 of Luke chapter 6. After proclaiming those who are blessed, Jesus issues some warnings for those who are in danger to face woe. Let's listen in. Well, four corresponding woes, and in the very same way that it's not automatically a blessing to be poor, it's not automatically a curse to be rich. So we don't want to read into it, but we do want to just glean from it. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Now, he can't be talking to the same, you know, 12 guys who had forsaken all to follow him. He has to be looking past them at this point because he can't be saying you're blessed because you're poor and you're, you know, woes because you're rich. They couldn't be both at once. And so he's speaking to those who are listening in. And he's saying, woe to the rich, why? Well, he's talking about a type of person. When we went through Revelation, they were described as those who were, well, rooted in the things that were temporal, that, that their values, their, the things they valued, they were all earthly and fleshly and temporal. They were, they're, they're people of the earth. And uh, of course, our citizenship, we're told in Ephesians, is in heaven. We're already a part of the kingdom of God. And, and that's why Jesus will say things that only make sense to someone who is a part of the kingdom. Don't lay up treasure on earth where moth or rust can destroy or thieves can steal, but lay up treasure in heaven for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And what's he saying? If your treasure's here, your heart's going to be here. You're, you're, you're going to be all about the stuff that's temporal. But if your treasure's up there, well, then your heart's going to be up there and you're going to be all about the stuff that, that's eternal. And by the way, the stuff that's eternal, the only eternal thing, the only thing that's going to make it from here to heaven is people. Not all people are going to get from here to heaven, but people, that's all that gets to go, you see. So there's an interesting passage where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I've pointed out in the past, and it's true today, that if the second is true for you, well then, well, the, the first is true. Well, the second can only be true, excuse me, if the first is true. In other words, if to live is anything but Christ, to die will not be gain because you'll be leaving behind whatever it is you're living for. But if you're living for Christ, the die is gain because you live for him and then you go to be with them. It can't get any better than that. Rewards await you. Perfection awaits you. Not just with him, but like him. They're in his presence. So he's not saying, hey, if you have things that automatically you're going to experience woes. But, but he does warn us again and again, and we'll see it as we go through Luke and the rest of Scripture, that, that those of us who are fixated on things, 
that is a serious, serious problem because we are going to leave those things behind. And so, and he's saying, if you're all about that, you have all you're looking for. You have your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. To the satisfied, the comfortable, the content, Again, he says you're going to suffer loss in the day of God's discipline or the day of God's judgment. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And this is an interesting one because, well, again, remember, Jesus is teaching a large group. Some are apostles, others are disciples, some are just listeners, and some have already decided they wanted to do him in. If you've been studying with us or even if you hadn't, Jesus healed a guy who had a withered hand in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders went and met with the Herodians. Those are the political leaders. And they began to plot what they could do to, to deal with this threat that they saw Jesus as being. And so already early on, there are enemies and they're listening in as well. And what I picture here, because remember, the religious leaders are here. And as Jesus saying, hey, if you have everything watch out. If you have nothing, you're blessed. I could just see the religious leaders snicker and saying, are you kidding? Do you hear what he's saying? This, how mixed up can a guy be? Look at us. We have everything and we're as spiritual as you could be. We have everything and we're as popular as people could be. We're Here's the deal. Have you ever been in a scene like that where you're sharing truth and people start mocking on the periphery? You know, I mean, it's like a couple times I've been sharing and the guy right that I was sharing with started mocking me. And that's always weird. But but I, I, I've been in the situation and maybe you too, where here's what I want to do. I just want to turn and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's, but I never have done it. I just haven't. I was doing a concert once with Daryl Mansfield, though, and he did it. And that was, I got to tell you, I liked it. But uh, he's just more bold than me. People started mocking from the crowd and he just started calling them out. You know, I'm like, wow. But but I'm a little more, you know, kind of come in the back door, gentle and kind, you know, it's just personality, you know. But the bottom line is those who were mocking, those who were laughing, he's saying, hey, the day will come when there will be mourning and weeping. And then woe to you when all men speak well of you. Key there, all for so did their fathers to the false prophets. One of the things we'll observe as we study through Jesus' life together is that not all men spoke well of him, but he always got a response from everyone he communicated with. They either hated him or they loved him. They either rejected him or they received him. But they didn't just listen and say, well, kind of interesting. He's different, isn't he? No, no, he was challenging people to make a decision. You're either with me or against me, he says. That, that's pretty clear. It causes you to have to say, okay, against or with. And so he's saying, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Why? That's how they spoke to the false prophets. They all thought they were great, but those false prophets led them astray. Let me read you what, what Jeremiah well, God speaking through Jeremiah has to say to those who came saying, thus says the Lord, but they weren't sent by the Lord. He says, I've not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then I would have turned them from their evil way 
and from the evil of their doings. He's saying his prophets had a ministry of turning his people back to him. And the false prophets, they were just saying, hey, you're fine. Everything's cool. I'm okay. You're okay. Everything's going to work out in the end. And the true prophet was saying, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, what we see as we press on into these latter verses, verses 27 through 36, and that's as far as we go today, is now we get to see that Jesus requires more than, well, faithfully declaring his word. In order to represent him, we need to become more like him. And of course, the scripture tells us these things Jesus began to do and teach. So we have his example. There's nothing he commands us to do that he doesn't do first. There's nothing that he exhorts us to do that is an option to us. The whole idea of an exhortation, and this is a series of exhortations, is there not options or possibilities of saying, hey, if you want to give it a shot or it'd be way cool if you'd give it a try. No, he is commanding us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us and pray for those who spitefully use us. And he's going to say in doing that, we will be able to represent him. So we're not just declaring his word, we're declaring him. We're, we're light and salt. It's not just what we say or what we do, but who we are that's going to impact our world. So his, his example, his exhortation, and then there's an explanation. And I love this about our Lord because unlike well, when I was a young parent and it would be because I'm your dad and I said so, and God actually explains things to us. And I love that about him. He's not obligated to do so. He could just say, because I'm God and I said so. But instead, he chooses to give us an explanation of how and why this works to the glory of our Lord. Well, he says, I say to you who hear, it's reminiscent of those for he who has ears to hear. He, he's speaking to a whole lot of people, but they're not all tuning in. Some have already rejected him. Some are just there to see if there's going to be a free meal. People are there for lots of different reasons. But he's saying, I'm saying to you who really are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, here he's commanding his disciples and us to do something that really is unnatural. The natural response, now I don't say normal, I'm saying natural, our, our, our gut instinct and response to aggression is to be aggressive back or if we're real passive to run as fast as we can the other way but what we don't do naturally is love our enemies that is going to be a decision and even having made the decision we're going to need divine empowerment because I've noticed I'm like, OK, Lord, I'll love him. And he's like, OK, I want to see this. And, and it's because he knows I can't do it. And yet he's commanded me to do it. So, so what does that mean? It means that, that he wants me to be so connected to him that I'm willing to do what he wants and fully relying on him to make it possible. That's what's going on here. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. See, it's not enough to not retaliate. He wants us to, to do good to them, to bless those who curse us and 
pray for those who spitefully use you. And, and if you had to think at this point, if they're listening and said, whoever loved their enemies, whoever did good to those who hate them. Oh, yeah, God. God's the only one who acts like this. And if we go out to represent him, well, people expect us to be like him. And, and you know what? We're so good at saying, hey, don't look at me. Just follow. G I'm not the example. But, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You want to know what a Christian is? You want to know what a Christian does? How they respond? He's saying, just walk with me. You'll get to see it. You won't see a perfect Christian, but get to see a real Christian. And, and, and we can't keep making excuses for the behaviors that we've engaged in and the things that have happened to us as a result. We can't keep claiming that we're victims of the past. We're not. We're making decisions today that affect the rest of our lives. And those decisions can't be about, well, I've never really had a successful experience in any of this. Doesn't matter. He's commanding us to do it. He never commands us to do something he won't empower us to do, especially if it isn't natural to us or, or normal for us. Well, to him who strikes you on the one cheek, he says in verse 29, offer the other also. He's saying our response to humiliation and abuse cannot be retaliation. That's why he says turn the other cheek. Nothing could be further from retaliating than just turning the other cheek. Now, I don't believe in any way this is Jesus saying, hey, if you're in an abusive situation, just stay there and be abused. That's not what he's teaching because he's talking about in the context of going out and witnessing and, and representing him. And if you're in an abusive situation, you need to get out of that situation and get help for the person that's abusive. If you're the abuser, you need to get help. You need to get right with the Lord. You need to get with someone who can talk to you and help you work through this stuff because you cannot represent the Lord and abuse people who were created in his image and are loved by him. And so we're not talking about, hey, you know, and people have misused this scripture and just said, well, you're in the situation. Just, he says, turn the other cheek. Hey, he doesn't say he turned it again and again and again and again and again. But he does give us the ultimate example of this, doesn't he? When they mocked him and beat him and plucked out his beard and spit in his face and nailed him to a cross. How did he respond? By praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Well, from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you. From him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. He's basically dealing with our giving here. And he says, give what more than what's required. Give generously, give to all who ask and don't expect anything back or in return. Give more than what's required. One sure way to deal with someone who's trying to take advantage of you in a way that represents the Lord is to take away the power that they think they have over you. In other words, if somebody comes and says, give me that jacket, hey, you can have the shirt too. Because, well, what's just happened? Wait a minute, it's, I didn't ask for the shirt. I, and, and it's like you've completely thrown them off. And that's what he's really saying. That no one who thinks they're gonna dominate you when you just say, hey, you can have it all. It all belongs to the Lord anyway. He gave me this, he can give me another one. 
and you're welcome to it. It's a beautiful picture of how we can represent him to somebody who thinks they're in a position to take advantage of us. When he talks about giving, he says, give generously. Why? Because God's generous and we're representing him not ourselves. Give to everyone who asks of you. Listen, if you're young, this kind of comes natural. You see someone who's hurting, you just kind of pull over and you share with them. And as you get older, you're like, man, I've seen that guy here for 10 years. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't know if we're really helping him. But, but the reality is, if somebody's asking, Jesus isn't really qualifying it, is he? He's not saying as long as they're good stewards of it or you're sure you're not enabling them to do something that will be bad for them. And I realize we need to use wisdom here and we need to pray for tact. And, and when we're in our own family and our kids are asking for something that won't be the best, well, he's not saying just give them whatever they want. But, but he is saying if somebody's needy and they're, they're asking, just give and give generously and, and give to whoever. And, and then he says, from the one who takes away your goods, don't ask him back. Don't expect anything in return. And then we have the golden rule. You're familiar with it. Verse 31, just as you want men to do to you, you do to them likewise. It's interesting. This has been around in one form or another long before the scriptures put it in the positive. You know, it's like, I got to get them before they get me. It's similar, but different. And, and, and when Jesus lays that out, he's saying, what we want to do is think in the positive. How do I want to be treated? I want to be treated with kindness and respect, with compassion and concern. I want to be treated with, with love and, and, and care. And, and so he's saying, hey, if that's how you want to be treated, that's how I want you to treat others. It's such an easy way to see. Now, if you're all messed up and you want to be abused, well, then you need help. And, and so he's not saying, hey, if you, you like that, just abuse them. But, but for most of us who want what's you know, going to be best, well, show care and consideration to others because you want them to show that to you. Show respect and kindness to others. Show love and forgiveness, mercy and compassion. Why? Because th that's what God does to us. And then he asks three questions and, and he, he answers each of these questions by just saying, really, his point is we can't hope to represent him if we're just like the people we're trying to represent him to. If you love those who love you, verse 32, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and to receive as much back. In other words, well, loving those who love us, he says that comes natural. We need to love those who don't love us. And blessing those or doing good to those who do good to us. Well, again, that just comes natural. It's like, hey, I'll buy today. You buy tomorrow. That's that's natural. But to to buy today, knowing they'll never buy, then that's supernatural. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit? Again, giving to those who can't give back. That rightly represents the Lord. And and then he in case we missed it, he said it, but he'll say it again. But love your enemies. Now, I thought about this one one day and I, and I realized 
I, I'm never trying to make enemies, but I've made a few. And then I'm like, Lord, I've I did everything you told me to do. I, I know I did it the best I could. And, and still they became my enemy. And he's like, well, then you get to fulfill this command. And I'm like, what command? Love your enemies. If you think it through, you can't love your enemies until you have enemies. Now, don't run out and make enemies. You don't have to do that. Remember earlier, he talked about experiencing these things for his sake. You just do what's right. You'll make some enemies. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's the testimony of the Apostle Paul. It'll happen. So he says, love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. He says, you give generously because God's generous. You show mercy because you're a recipient of God's mercies daily. You show grace to people, mercy, not getting what you deserve, grace, getting what you don't deserve. You function that way as you interact with people. A couple of things are going to happen. You will be rewarded. Sometimes it's here, but certainly in the day when our works are judged and rewards are given, You'll also be recognized. And I like this because he's saying you will be sons of the Most High. They'll recognize that this isn't natural. This isn't normal. There's something different about this guy. And, and the, the idea is God's kids radiate his light, his love, his warmth, his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness. So we'll be able to as we grow to be more like Jesus, say, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You get an idea what the Father's like as you watch me responding to the people around me and even to you. That's a part of what we get to do. So he tells them, here's what's coming. Here's how I want you to respond. Here's what you can expect in return. And finally, it's important to say it. This is not the gospel. He's not telling us, hey, do all these things and you'll get saved. Do all these things and you'll be saved. No, he's talking to people who've already forsaken all to follow him. And if that's you, he's saying persecution, trial, tribulation, rejection, those lie ahead. Your response will be to love, to do good, to bless, to pray. You will be demonstrating the love of the Father. You will be demonstrating the love of the Son. As all that's going down, listen, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you need to start there. The Bible is so clear on this one. You were created by and for God. So if your life's a mess, it just might be. It's because you haven't connected with the one who made you and actually has a plan for you. If you've just been trying to figure it out and, you know, all right, I'm going to go this way or I'm going to do these things. You need to come to the cross and you need to confess your sins. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You come confessing that he is the Lord and, and make him your Lord. You confess he's the Savior. You ask for him to save you. He gave his life. You surrender your life and great things begin. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words of challenge and comfort. For those of us who are going through it, Lord, we're comforted to know that nothing's actually gone wrong. We're right on track doing what you told us to do and, and that we're just experiencing what you promised we would. If they hated you, they'll hate us. If they persecuted you, they'll persecute us. 
But Lord, thank you for the promise. If they love you, they'll love us. That we'll have family and friends and fellowship with like-minded people who are submitted to you and sacrificing for you. In Acts 26, 17 and 18, it tells about when Jesus converted the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, and he told him about the people he was going to be sent to. He said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, when we think about it, our roles in this world at this time are really not that different from that of Paul's, helping turn people from darkness to light. And when we think of it that way, do we really have any enemies? Each person we encounter in our lives is someone God would have you show the light to, regardless of how they behave towards you or what they've done to you. Just imagine that person accepting Christ and repenting, and it makes it difficult to think of them as an enemy. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.